0: Welcome to clientships cx superheroes podcast series this is the third episode in our first series and in this episode i'm delighted to say we are going to be interviewing james dudkins the cx rockstar himself in previous episodes we have uh, experienced uh, citizen m which is a brand we are clientship uh, big fans of we have, feel they have a fabulous approach to customer experience. And we also met Simon Gilbert, who took us through employee engagement and how important that is in, in customer experience. And that's the purpose of this series, is to bring you different aspects of customer experience to inspire, to give you new ideas, and new insights, and really help those who are either new to customer experience or been practising for quite some time to, to look at topics in a, in a different way and find new ways in and get more value from them. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be looking at stakeholder influences, and, and James, the CX rock star, is a perfect um, example of a CX superhero in this capacity. So James, thank you so much for joining us as part of our CX superheroes podcast series. It is an absolute delight and a personal pleasure to be interviewing you here today.
1: Oh, it's a delight to be a guest interviewee.
0: Oh, you're very welcome, James. Now, I've mentioned before, at at Clientship, we really do believe that everyone has the capability to be a customer experience superhero. And and one of the, the key superpowers is influencing people. Influencing them so they can see the value of customer experience thinking. Now, whether that's about changing their opinions on a topic or changing the actual behaviors of, of some of the employees, um, we think it's important, especially when it comes to influencing stakeholders in the organization. So whether you are you know, playing to a packed auditorium, as you might, or if it's about taking on a boardroom, we think it's an absolute key requirement for successful customer experience. Is this a view that you know you recognise and understand?
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. It doesn't matter whether you're on stage in front of people. It doesn't matter if you're talking to somebody one-on-one. It doesn't matter if you're trying to influence a boardroom. It doesn't matter if you're trying to influence a lunchroom. It's it's all about influence everything we do on a day to day basis whether you're somebody like me that's trying to spread a message around the world or whether you're you're somebody working in an organisation to improve the experiences that your customers are having on a day to day basis everything we do has got to be about influence getting people on board getting people to help you out getting people along on that journey so yeah I, I definitely agree with that Excellent. And,
0: and it is a real skill and we've looked at sort of the, the superpowers needed to, to be an influencer and you know some of us can get there but it's, it's not for everyone um, now I mean you've been recognised congratulations I noticed uh, you've now been voted the number one customer experience influencer in the UK I mean how does that feel? Oh, dude if it, finally I
1: got a number one I never got a number one <laughs> in my music career <laughs> but, I haven't know. it. It feels great, man. It feels so. Because the thing is, a lot of the stuff I do, I do for free. I yeah. give away so much content for free, so much video content. Um, so to, to have that sort of recognition, It kind of spurs you on a little bit. It's it's a nice little nod saying, you know, well done for doing that. Like, we appreciate that as a community. So it it feels great to be able to do that. And it's great fuel for me to to get those sorts of accolades. It's not all about those things, but it it, it does help, to be honest with you. Um, But I was blown away to be number one. Being on the list would have been enough for me, man. But to be be named as number one CX influence in the UK, man, that's...
0: they it's really, special you know, I mean it's special it's a, it's a busy workplace out there I mean there's many you know many influencers who, who kind of hustle for that spot uh, and, and you know there's some worthy contenders out there I mean some really good pedigree so it is no small feat to actually come top of the pile what what do you think that you've brought to, to help you kind of stand apart from the others
1: I don't know I mean I can't really I can't really comment on any of the other people like, loads of people in that list Arguably should have been number one. I, you know, the, the, there's lots of people out there that would probably look at that list and would, you know, order them differently. But what I can talk to is the way that I approach this sort of stuff, and it's a mentality shift I've had to have. Mm-hmm. I try not to sell stuff in the hope that people will buy stuff because I try not to sell stuff. If that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I,
1: I focus a lot of my time, I, as far as I'm concerned, my number one job is a content creator. My job is to create content in an interesting and innovative way to help spread the message of customer experience around the world. My job isn't to sell stuff. Now, as a byproduct, people like the stuff I do and then you know hire me to come and do talks or wanna come along on, on my training classes, cool. But it's been a massive shift in mindset to realize that people buying stuff from me isn't the goal for me it's the reward Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of crazy because that's the way I've been talking to companies for years understanding that the money isn't the goal in business it's the reward the goal should be delivering those ideal experiences to your customers so it's kind of like just you know eating your own dog food taking your own lessons looking at it from a different point of view
0: I think that's part of the reason that you are so um recognized and, and people do follow you is because of exactly that. It's, it's very easy in customer experience, I find, to be a pretender and to portray a sense of an outcome you're working towards, which actually, you know, we as viewers can see straight through that, but, but you don't. You you do convey that actually the outcome you're trying to achieve is a better experience. And if you deliver that, all the good stuff comes with it. And I think the way you present yourself mirrors that. So, and you know, it's 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 easy to fall into the trap of actually just thinking that all you need to do is throw stuff out there and, and, and the rewards will come. But unless you deliver it in an authentic way and, and an interesting way, we'll come on to that because you've got a very interesting approach. Then I, I, I think that's what allows us as recipients of that information to come back again and again, which as a content creator is essential for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, Thank you for that. I appreciate that.
0: Okay. So um, obviously, you know, this, this, position number one has not come about um based on, on what you've done in the last couple of uh, couple of weeks so give us an appreciation of what 2019 was was like for you it must have been a a busy and, and a productive year what you've been up to
1: well 2019 has been a crazy year for me um it's it's been my year of content so like my number one focus was content specifically video content mm-hmm. so at the start of the year um I started doing the This Week in CX videos, which is, for the people that don't know, the the weekly news roundup of what has happened in the past week in customer experience delivered in a humorous way. Um, Then that sort of ran its course, and I moved on to more two-camera delivery. Of like thoughts and ideas around customer experience, and then towards the end of the year, it got more to. So th- the thing is that a lot of people get in touch with me and say, "Hey, can I pick your brains? Can I have a call with you and do this?" And whereas I'd love to be able to do all of that for free, I just I just can't. I can't. Yeah give that much time and not get anything in return for it. But I didn't want to start charging people for that because it seems like a bit of a dickhead thing to do. So I realized the way I can use that to my advantage as well is just start filming the coaching calls I have with people. So I'll give ah, my coaching okay. calls for free, I'll talk to you for half an hour, and I'll just film myself doing it. And then any you know golden nuggets that come out of that becomes video content. So every, everything I do, I'm always thinking about content. How can I make content out of this? How can I share this message? to a wider audience. Mm So 2019 has been a real sort of shift in mindset towards focusing on content and how I can, um, you know, capitalize on that and use it in its best way and not just, Making sure that one piece of content doesn't remain as one piece of content so it can be turned into, you know, audio files that people can listen to, gets turned into little quote pictures that people can read, yep. gets turned into um, blogs that people can read. So, like, one, one video can end up becoming 50 pieces of content across the internet. And it's just trying to be smarter about the way that I look at what I'm doing on a day to day basis and make it reach the, the most people.
0: Sure, sure, and and when you say the most people, I mean you you've been to some far out places over the course of the the last year. I mean, uh, your, your your passport must look like uh, I don't know, it must it must be peppered with stamp marks all throughout it.
1: Yes, there's so I've recently. Got a new passport because my old one expired, and it's already filling up quite quickly. I I think next time I might have to get you know the extended pages. (laughs)
0: Excellent. So, um, and when you're when you're out there uh, talking to to an audience, obviously you know in that audience there will be the uninitiated, there will be the those just starting on the journey, and they'll also be at the other end of the scale, those sitting on on a decent budget with an organization that's already there, you're kind of getting distinctivity because of its customer experience. Um, how do you ensure that, you know, you, you remain inspiring and there's learning for all?
1: Well, it's, it's a good question to be fair because it, you can't really please everybody.
2: Right. You can try
1: to, but mm-hmm. you're not you're not really going to. And the way I kind of look at it with, with my talk, it's, it's like 50% content, 50% entertainment mm-hmm. because, and I don't know the, the actual like psychological facts behind it, but it, it's case kind of said, if you enjoy yourself while you're learning content, you're more likely to, you know, um, retain it and then of course act on it. So my talk has been specifically designed to make people have fun whilst learning the stuff I'm talking about. And again, I've kind of done it in a weird way. I've got one talk. It's a signature talk. It's the talk I do. It's called Rules for Rockstars. It's the world's first and only musical customer experience keynote. (laughs) And the reason I've done that is quite – we can get into the details of that maybe a little bit later if you want. But for me, there'll be two types of sort of two outcomes from hearing the talk. So you'll either learn brand new stuff that you didn't know before about customer experience or you'll hear stuff you already did know. But it will be explained in a different mm-hmm. way, which will then allow you to explain it in a different way, if that makes sense. It,
0: it does. And, and I mean, that second part, I, I, I remember hearing a, uh, a a story about um, service recovery, which was to do with bumping into someone in a bar and spilling their pint. And it's certainly not an analogy I would ever have got to myself. And actually, probably as many professionals stand on stage, it would be a bit odd. It would stand out like a, a you know, a, a sore thumb in there in there their piece but from when you present it it feels like just part of the narrative so i i, I get exactly what you mean totally cool
1: well yeah i mean that, that specific story came from, i was just talking to somebody about it um and we were i was trying to talk about the proactive experience recovery fixing the experience in the experience hmm. not waiting for the complaint and the story just caught, sort of came to me as i was talking to someone about it. I was like, it's oh, kind of like you know if you bump into someone in a bar you can do this that. and from it really hit home with them. It really resonated with them. They then went on to tell other people about it. And so because it was such a powerful story, well, such a powerful analogy, it made its way into the talk. And that's the thing as well is we can be told things millions of times, but it never sinks in. But you can be told something that, that one millionth time in that one particular way and all of a sudden it will hit home to you. Mm. So, so that's for the, the more experienced customer experience people that see me talk – that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Yep. Things that they probably will have been been told millions of times. It's just telling it them in a different way, which will either maybe it won't make them think differently about customer experience, but it'll make them think differently about how they communicate customer experience to people.
0: Have you got famous enough that you've ever had any of your stories played back to you yet?
1: Oh, what you mean, somebody go? Oh, right, I heard
0: this oh really I've got a really good story. story yeah, about a guy bumping into someone in a pub the other day. You must hear it, James.
1: I've seen I've seen things online where people do talk about like the analogies. It wasn't that one. It was what one was it? I can't remember which one it was. And it was only the other day I saw it. So we said, "Oh yeah, I heard someone once say this," and I was like, "Oh, I wonder, <laughs> wonder who that could have been." <laughs> and then it, then it clicked. They were like, "Oh shit, that was you, wasn't it?" So, yeah,
0: I think that's the, the ultimate form of flattery, or maybe it's just the start of some sort of trademarking litigation uh, trail oh, <laughs> <laughs> i I'm not going to
2: go
0: there. <laughs> so. I mean, I've, I've seen, obviously, I follow you online and when you're, you're away um, and you're at an event, you know, you do a nice piece around the build up, kind of the backstage, you bring the, the viewer into the event with you um, and you bump into some really interesting people. So, you know, I know you probably, you know, wouldn't would say all of them, but are there any that you kind of can refer back to and say um, these speakers I just think are great. You know, they're good when I when I see them and when they present, I, I learn from them as well
1: yeah i mean the, the one the one that um, i always when i look at the the lineup of speakers the one i always get excited about speaking with is shep i sure yeah
0: it's,
1: um it's, he's just a cool dude and we've become friends over the years mm-hmm. and he plays guitar as well better mm. than me actually which actually isn't <laughs> that <big>. oh, no. <laughs> I'm only slightly above average at guitar it's the confidence that <laughs> but he's a great guitar player and he's a great guy and he, he's another person that he's willing to give advice um, just just because he's a nice guy mm-hmm. um, he's given me so much advice on the, the, my talk and helped me um, improve it to no end so I, I always love Meeting up with Shep, grabbing a beer with him, you know, and seeing him talk as well. And he he does a similar thing. Like he he has signature talks mm-hmm. that have a, a very similar message. But you never get bored. You never get bored of hearing it time and time again. And the way I'm kind of looking at it with with the talks is rather than writing a brand new talk every time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't go to a Metallica concert to hear them write a. A new song thing I mean it might be cool but you go to a Metallica concert because you want to hear the classics you want to hear the songs that you know that you like and I was was sort of battling with this when I was first doing the talk because people were coming to me saying oh can you come and do this event as well I'm like yeah but you're going to have all the same people there they're like yeah but we don't care like people have specifically said they want to see that talk again or people will you know get in touch and say I loved your talk will you come and do it for our you know, our customers at our event or will you come and do
2: it internally for us? And I'm like, yeah, well, what do you want me to talk about? They're like, no, 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 I want you to do Mm. that talk. Mm -hmm. Do, do that one. And, um, yeah so it's one it's good because I'm, I'm a pretty lazy guy so i don't have to write a new
1: talk every time <laughs> wicked but it's also good for them because it means i get particularly good at that talk because i do it over <laughs> and over again so i'm really really good at doing that one talk <laughs> <for that laughs> novelty's gonna run out at some point i might have to read actually for for 2020 i've changed the first whole like the whole first section of it is different now uh-huh. um it's, it's not going to be a case of, oh, well, you can have this and or that. Mm. It is it is what it is. And th- you might think that sounds a little bit counterintuitive in the customer experience world. Like, hang on a second, you you're not giving your customers choice. Realistically, if you truly knew what your customers needed, you wouldn't need to give yeah. them choice. So yeah we, uh, it's a bit of a counterintuitive thing, but I honestly believe that sometimes too much choice can be a bad thing.
0: Well, I, I agree with you there, James. I mean, when it comes to sort of those CX superpowers, one of the things that we, we've identified is is to really understand what matters most. And, and when you get that, that could be an enduring truth that lasts forever. It, it doesn't, okay, technology and the way you way you present it may need to be moderated slightly, but that content is still the same content. And if, you know, customers are saying, well, it's actually about how you resolve the issue when it goes wrong, or they're saying it's about having a... a, a, a the same point of contact throughout, or if it's about the fact that actually um, it's the after-sales service that, that matters most, you've got to stick with those. You can't just decide because you're bored or you think the audience is bored, we'll move it onto something else like efficiency or, 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 or online experience. So I'm completely with you on that. That's my point that you you live customer experience through what you do, and you can only do that if you completely understand it. Now, I mean, you, you did mention you I was quite interested about different topics i mean do you find when you're you're speaking there is a a range of topics out there that you know there's kind of a standard set of topics and and with that are there any that you kind of look at and think ah oh, you know that still hasn't been landed we, we haven't got that point across yet i don't, I
1: don't know man it's so, um, there's there's topics that i keep hearing time and time again that annoy me right <laughs> that i think people should probably st- talking about NPS all the time. Sure. If you've ever followed any of my content, you'll know how I feel about NPS. Yeah. Um. And I get quite bored of seeing the you know the AI chatbot people present. Yep,
2: yep. Um, so and the first time I ever saw it, I was like, wow, that's cool. And then every other time afterwards, I was like, oh, god. Mm-hmm. It's just, what, they, what they tend to do is they show
1: a demo mm-hmm. of their chatbot doing a neat thing or their data mining thing doing a neat thing, or their AI doing a neat thing, but it's always fixing the problem that should never have happened in the first place.
0: Sure, you so cre- created the mess that you're gonna go in and fix. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, hey, look at this shitty experience that we made <laughs> better without, no, you didn't make it better, you just fixed it afterwards. If you were making it better, you would re-engineer that experience and not be so shitty in the first place, so that annoys me. But um. The, the good topics that are coming up time and time again that I like to hear about. Um, at the moment it's about personalization and, and of course yeah. technology can help with that as well, which is great. But
2: helping companies understand that their customers are all different. Every experience that will ever be experienced will be different. Yeah.
1: And rather than fighting against that, Embracing that and saying, "Well, how can we use that to our advantage? How do we personalise this experience for our customer? How do we start to know more and more about our customers and their behaviours and their values and the way that they do business with us? And then, how can we, you know, personalise the experiences so they feel that that experience is unique for them every time?" I'm loving hearing that stuff at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, that's great, and and um, I, I think it's uh, it's a topic that we get obsessed about as um, as practitioners and kind of got to realise that as a as a recipient well I'm only me I'm only the experience you give me is the one that I get because I don't get to experience everyone else's so I think the delivery of personalisation getting it right is is so important because otherwise you get it you get it slightly wrong and it just looks foolish
1: yes and that's the thing isn't it it's it's risky at the end of the day Mm. because it will make you memorable Mm -hmm. either way Mm -hmm. whether you mess it up or you get it right, mm-hmm. it will make you memorable. Yeah. It's ki- kind of the thing with the talk, so I play guitar in my talk, I come out at the beginning playing guitar, I play guitar at the end for the like big finale, it is very memorable, but it, it's a double-edged sword. If I mess that up, I will look like an absent, I will, I'm will. i going to think of an, a, a fool on stage, <laughs> <laughs> but if I get it right... I look wicked, but that's that's the risk, that's the high stakes game that you've got to play in customer experience nowadays. There are some companies where Mm -hmm. being consistently average, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. That is a good strategy for them. There are plenty of companies out there that I wish, I hope, and I pray would just become consistently average. But that's not perfect for everybody. There are some companies out there that need that wow factor, and that's that's another thing that annoys me as well. People always say you you must wow your customers. You must constantly exceed expectations. And sometimes just meeting expectations mm. is a perfectly good plan. It's a perfectly good strategy. Just to be consistently okay is sometimes good enough. So um, there you go. I don't think I answered your question. but-
0: No, you you you, you, you did, I mean, and, and I think it's. That point around wow is one that we find as as practitioners the most challenging because to your point, we we worked with a client a few years ago who actually um, said we want to have the service design capability and and prowess of push. I mean, wow, that's you know, it's, it's a, this is a you know, it's, it's not a it's not an automotive company, it's not a luxury brand, it's a it's an everyday everyday sort of organization, and um, we, we we showed them what that would look like, and we kind of worked out about five years worth of bonuses need to be sacrificed to get there. So we we ended up kind of highlighting that in their sector. The 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 bar was set very very low, and actually the strategy became one step ahead. Just be one step ahead of your customers, one step ahead of your competitors. That was all that was needed. And there is this kind of you know, there's that Jerry Maguire quote, isn't there? You had me at hello. That was good enough I was alright with that you didn't need the the ice creams and the fanfare and everything else that came with it um, I took it and I told you I liked it but you're probably just eroding profit and you're probably just distracting me from what really matters with your organization so I think so it's a, it's a very key point you you, you mentioned the guitar there so let's, let's just talk a little bit about that I mean I, I like the idea that you're kind of you're, you're, you're doing this content which is it, it's not difficult in the way that you present it but actually customer experience is not enough. It isn't a no brainer. It, it is quite complicated. It's about understanding how we can change behavior and make customers value, not the product, the price or everything else, but the actual experience. And then you go and load in something like a live guitar at the same time. I mean, let's, where, where does it come from? When did you start playing guitar? And where does your love of rock music, which is very clear from how you present, where does it all come from, James?
1: Well, one of the things I think you mentioned that, that actually hit home really well with me is customer experience is complicated. Mm. There, there is lots of stuff um, to to wade through. Now, it it doesn't mean it has to be difficult, but it is it is complicated. And one of the things that I think. the the better influencers out there do is being able to distill those complex ideas down to quite simple either stories or ideas or analogies. Um, And that's something I try and do pretty well. And the reason for that is I'm what's known in the scientific world as an idiot. So I'm, I'm just... I'm just not a clever person like academically I'm not very smart so for me to understand a lot of this quite complex stuff I had to dumb it down for myself mm-hmm. I had to distill it down into little stories or little analogies and then it's just that throughout the years I found that other people actually quite like that stuff too it's not because there it is it's just that it, it's sometimes easier to understand it's easier to absolutely it yeah, yeah. The, um, the guitar thing so I used to play guitar in a heavy metal band we toured the world we released albums mm-hmm. I had a video on TV I was in magazines, so I used to be an actual real life, legitimate award winning rock star, Mm -hmm. but now I'm not. And the the whole um, doing the guitar thing in the talk is I used to never tell, in in the corporate world, I used to never tell anyone that was in a band because I thought there was going to be preconceived notions of, uh, I mean, that would have been correct, but I I didn't want people to have them. And it got to the point, especially in the customer experience world, you know, the, the market was becoming so saturated. Every week there was a new. I'm a customer experience specialist. I'm a customer experience guru. I'm yeah. a customer experience whatever king, god. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's like
1: popping up all the time. And it was getting harder and harder to differentiate myself and stand out from the pack. And the. It was, there was a, it was a combination of things, but the one thing that really sort of made me look differently about the way that I was delivering the, my content was a quote from Jerry Garcia from Grateful Dead, and it's, don't try and be the best in the world at what you do, try and be the only person in the world that does what okay. you do. And it really hit home with me. I was thinking, you know what? The only two things I've ever actually been good at in my entire life were being an actual rock, rock star and doing customer experience. So why not try and put those together and see, see what I can do with that? Mm-hmm. And the amount of parallels there are between putting on a good show and writing music and actually delivering good customer experience, I'm a little bit embarrassed they didn't see it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: They do fit really <laughs> well. I mean, I think you make... The topic so much more accessible by by and and also you know glamorizing it as well uh, you know to but by, by bringing those two two together so it, it is a perfect fit i'm not sure if you're a cheesemaker we'd we'd be kind of going down the same sort of line of conversation but rock and customer experience if it it's well
1: yeah i mean yeah you're right like if you like worked in an abattoir
0: or something and you try to <laughs> that's, that's stretching it a bit, bit, a bit isn't
1: it experience who knows it? really work as well. So I am lucky that it's a bit of a, a glamorous thing. But, dude, one, one of the things I'm trying to do is make customer experience cool. I'm yep. trying to make it cool. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make people look at it and go, you know what? I want to be in that world. Because mm-hmm. realistically, if you take, take a look at it, step back and take a look at it, customer experience is a bloody cool um, environment to be working in. There are very few jobs or disciplines out there that give you the, the real ability to be able to affect millions of people's lives on a mm-hmm. daily basis, mm-hmm. customer experience can do that. Yeah. And it's, I want people to see that when you work in customer experience, you are an artist, whether, you know, like a musician or an actual artist or whatever involves creativity. And like, so, for example, musicians don't make music to make good music they make music to make people feel certain things to, to create emotions in the listeners mm-hmm. um, same with customer experience you don't create customer experiences to create good customer experiences you create customer experiences to make your customers feel a particular way mm-hmm. to, to drive those emotions mm-hmm. so it, it's exactly the same and, and I'd like more customer experience professionals to see themselves as artists, to see themselves as, as rock stars, to understand that what they do it's such a cool thing, and they're so privileged to be able to do that. Because, right, accountancy, yeah, that's pretty cool, but you don't get to see the direct results in your customers every day. Mm, mm. You don't get, you know, if you're just like stuck in an accountancy department in in your company yeah you can be doing numbers and stuff and somebody might be like oh we've saved 17% all right cool <laughs> but you don't you don't ever actually see the the tangible benefits in an experience mm. that a customers having yeah. so I, I love it man i think it's probably the best other than being an actual rock star which was better this is the <laughs> se- <laughs> this is the second best um Thing. but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make it cool and the, the thing with the guitar on stage basically, I just wanted I wanted to be memorable and I wanted to have impact I wanted people to sit there not knowing what the hell was going on and there's some crazy dude comes out playing guitar they sit there and they shut up and they take notice that was the idea behind it and luckily it works mm. because they go, what? Mm. <laughs> what? Yeah. why is this dude doing that? and then I explain why I did it but um, it's
0: it's a it does bit, it's work, I mean I've impact. I've been privileged to be in the room and you know I I remember the sound you know which is it's a different component to an event you normally go to you 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 notice the sound and you also notice your kind of your your industry as well you notice that the creativity comes into it versus everyone else we've got on stage and some wore ties some didn't wear ties and some showed you operational models but that creativity is quite difficult to sort of get coming through and I think that's what really helps is it shows customer experience is a, is a creative art as well as a science but there is it does need artists to design better experiences and and they, they shouldn't be thinking about how they can convey on the bottom line they should be thinking about how they connect with customers in an emotional way and then look at the benefits that that will produce commercially so I, I think I think that's why it really works for me personally and I'm sure for many others as well
1: yeah I mean it's not going to be for everybody some people are going to think it's stupid and they're going to hate what I do that's fine that's okay yeah. it's not for everyone but you know what? it's there is a science to it and there is an art to it with customer experience just like any creative field like a musician like as a guitarist there is scientific things behind it like the, the theory the music theory mm-hmm. we we'll call it But mm-hmm. Simply, you have to understand how to plug in the guitar to make sound yeah. come out of it. You need to know how to tune it. You need to know the science behind when you put your fingers in different positions, it creates different sounds. You need to know the, the technique of strumming the guitar and picking the strings. There's that technical side that you need to know. Or the creative side doesn't, doesn't
2: matter. Yeah. But
1: it's the creative side that's going to make a name for yourself. It's the creative side that's going to get you remembered. I know hundreds of guitarists that are technically brilliant guitarists they can sit there and they can play all the scales super fast and you'll go wow, that's pretty cool, but it'll never make you feel anything, mm. it'll mm. never it, it'll never move an emotion it'll mm. never create an emotion within you whereas the, some of the best guitar players in the world aren't technically brilliant guitarists mm-hmm.
2: they're people, I mean look at Jimi Hendrix for example mm-hmm. like he played his backwards yeah yeah <laughs> but he created like his songs aren't technically
0: difficult to mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. but they make you feel something yeah so it for
1: me you need both yeah there is a certain amount of the technical element you need but there's a certain amount of creative in there that arguably you either have or you don't have i, I don't know like if there's a way to um train creativity
0: we, we, we're looking at these During CX. Being
1: creative, do you know, is there a thing you
0: can? Well, looking at these CX superpowers, I mean, what we have found is that um, an analysis, um, uh, presentations, um, operational are, are quite commonplace. Um, but actually, I in the the ideator section, you know, coming up with the ideas, connecting different disparate thoughts together, and arriving at something which is emotionally engaging and and creates memory. Yeah, it's not it's not something everyone can do um, and and some of us can do it in a way that, you know, to your point earlier, some sectors, you don't need to be out there and doing things in just, you know, a very, very distinctive way. But in others, you know, guest experience in hotels, for instance, and luxury, you do need to do it. And it requires a, a, a certain sort of brain. I mean, there's a um, a brand called Imaginarium, um, which is a toy shop, it's a uh, an Iberian toy shop. Uh, And what they've done when you go into their store is they've got two doors uh, and one is only tall enough for children to go through. But the the reason they've done that is because when you go through that door, you have to break the hand with your child. So the child enters on their own. So it becomes their world rather than being something you're going into with mum or with dad. It's their own world. And you just think that's so basic and yet so brilliant to allow this individual now to experience something for themselves in a very safe way because they can connect up to a mom and dad straight away when they get in and it's actually it got distinction on the high street because they've got two great big arches or a small arch and a big arch and it looks like nothing else on the high street so to your point i think you can get so far you know you could kind of go What we need to do is to make sure this individual can go into their, you know, in there and own this, you know, the child can own this toy experience. But actually, very few of us will go, here's an idea. Here's a creative idea that I think will do it. Most of us will probably say, well, put some demos inside, get them to interact and play with them or, you know, put some Lego out in a board and get them to play with it. But to actually create that that entrance is, is pretty special. So I think you're absolutely right, James, completely concur with you on that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great example. And The thing is, the, the companies that are the most customer-centric companies in the world, the companies that get cited as delivering the best customer experiences time and time again, didn't get there by just doing what everyone else is doing but no. better. They didn't get there by being the best at doing the same. They got there by doing, thinking differently. Yeah. And the, the first step to doing customer experience differently is thinking about customer experience differently and and that's one of the things that I'm trying to help people do the, the standard skills for customer experience you can go out there and get mm-hmm. there's loads of training courses you can go and get you could probably get them online for free if you really trawled around enough you can read enough books but the creative side is I'm, I'm trying to help people think differently about stuff and and approach things in different ways so I, I love that story I love mm-hmm. that example because that's something that no textbook would have ever said in a good customer experience, you should have two different doors. It wouldn't mm. have happened. The yeah. only way you get there is understanding who your customers are, understanding them at a deeper level, understanding their needs, understanding their successful outcomes, understanding their values, their behaviours, what influences them in life. It's understanding your customers at such a deep psychographic level that you can then create those experiences mm. that will resonate with them. And it's that's 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 a lot of companies are missing the. Um, missing the boat with that one because they're spending so much time on demographic segmentation understanding what gender people are understanding you know what race people are understanding how much people earn understanding what um postcode people live in that it strips the humanity away from it they're they're, they're too bothered about what people are and they're losing losing grip of who people are as soon as you, you start to understand who people are You understand their needs, their successful outcomes, and you can start to design experiences that really move them.
0: And I think it's a point I'm sure I've seen you talk about it a number of times around um, also kind of remembering that you are just a part of their journey. So, you know, a a customer doesn't think, I'll get up and today – my life will exist to deal with a utility company or to, to even go out and you know buy a sofa a big a big purchase actually there's a lot more going on in their life and, and you're just a small piece of it so you've got to be able to really understand your customer and understand where their journey truly starts and, and it will end long after you were involved and, and then recognizing and respecting what role you play in that rather than you know, the privilege they have of being in association with you in your as a retailer or whatever it might be. And I know that's something you've spoken about before.
1: Yeah, 100% man. It's, it's, I think we all need to understand that a customer experience isn't just the interactions between a customer and your company. A customer experience is the sum of the thoughts, the feelings and the interactions a customer has about and with different products and services during the achievement of a goal or an outcome and it's looking at that entire journey towards the achievement of that goal or outcome and then saying well okay what part do we play in that how can we improve that part now with the understanding that their goal has got something probably that it nothing to do with us. How can we work with other people in that journey? How can yeah. we create collaborative experiences to help them better achieve that goal or outcome? That's something that most companies are not doing right now, mm-hmm. but it's because, as far as I'm concerned, they've got a flawed definition of what a customer experience is, and that's that's the problem. It's something I've been, I've been complaining about this for quite a while now, so anybody that's been following mm-hmm. my stuff for any period of time will have heard me complain about this. They say, okay, well, uh, customer experience is the sum of the thoughts, feelings, and interactions a customer has with your company. Uh, wrong. No, no, it's not. It's it's those things that they have along the journey towards achieving a goal or outcome. Yeah. If you only look at it through that lens of the interactions with your company, you're missing a massive opportunity because there's so much more going on outside of your company walls that you could be influencing, that you could be making better, that you could be capitalizing on, that you could be earning extra revenue from, that you could find ways to cut your costs internally. Because it's not all just about fluffy feelings. It's all got to come back to the bottom line at the end of the day. Um, there's so much opportunity there that companies just, they're not giving themselves the opportunity to capitalize on because they've got a flawed definition of what a customer experience is.
0: I'll come on to that a little bit later because I think it's a really good point about what I think is going to be part of the the trends of your next ten years. So we'll, we'll, I won't forget that point. I'll come back to that. Cause I'm completely on the same page as you. But we we've spoken about you as kind of the presenter, but we shouldn't forget you're also a, an author. Um, you have a couple of books out there. Um, one that we're we're very familiar with because uh, we spend a lot of time helping organisations improve employee engagement with employee experience programs. Um, you, you wrote a or published a book recently, 136 ideas for rockstar employee engagement. I mean, it's a it's a great source of inspiration. Again, a, a way of HR and CX managers accessing. And triggering thoughts in their own minds. But well, I could do that. Yeah, we could do that. We could put those three or four together. How did this work? Did you collect these ideas yourself, or are they crafted based on your findings of where you've seen shortfalls? How did this book come together?
1: Well, it was. I mean, I wrote the book by accident.
0: Only, All us budding authors don't want to hear stuff like that, James. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think
1: I'm an author, really. So <laughs> anybody that's read. It's mostly pictures. There's about one sentence on each page. I actually got a one-star review the other day from somebody that was really angry with the book. They <laughs> were so, like, all it, is, all it is is 136 ideas.
0: That's exactly what he's positioned So
1: I'm, I've got to take the blame for that, though, because maybe I, I didn't set the expectations clearly right. enough. I mean, forget the fact the title of the book <laughs> is 136. Whatever. Whatever. Literally, that's all it is. It's just, it's just ideas. It's not trying to convince you that employee engagement is good. It's not showing stats and figures about why it's a good idea. It's for people that already know it's a good idea. It's giving mm-hmm. you some ideas. Now, these ideas came from a, a multitude of different places. It's ones I've experienced myself. It's ones I've thought up myself. Um, it's ones that I've come across online over the years. Um, and it's literally all I did. I sat down there with an Excel spreadsheet and I went at it. I went, yeah, that was a good one. Okay, I right, wrote that. Oh, yeah, that was another good one. That, that Okay, that did that. I just put them all down. Now, Interesting fact. Do you know why it's one hundred and thirty six? Do you know what the hidden message is? No.
0: Do you know? No. Lost on me. Sorry. Explain.
1: Well, remember before when I said I was lazy? Yes. I wanted to do one
0: hundred (laughs) and (laughs) ninety
1: nine. So it's the new one hundred and ninety nine. Yeah, one hundred
0: and thirty six is the new one (laughs) hundred and ninety nine.
1: What it was originally, I was like, ah, I could do ninety nine, and then (laughs) I got more than ninety nine. I was like, ah. I can't
0: really cut them down. I'll do 199, and I got to 136, and went, "Oh, I think I've run out." I like the honesty behind it. I'll I'll look at it in a different light next time I pick it up.
1: Yeah, there you go. I really probably shouldn't be so
0: honest about it. But. <laughs> no, I think that's what as part of the charm, James, is that kind of you know you 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 know that there is what whilst you are on stage as the CX rock star, there's an awful lot of you in that, and I think one of the things that I've found looking at commentators over the last few years, and you you mentioned it earlier, there were people beforehand who were saying, forget it, just measure net promoter score, get that right, and everything else will fall into place. And they're the same commentators up there saying, oh, no, hang on, hang on. We never no. Just look at the, the feedback. Don't worry about the score. You know, and they'll be changing their tune again. They kind of, you know, just listening to what the populace is saying. Whereas actually you, you've got an, an, a view which is true to the objective of customer experience, which is actually recognizing it from the customer's perspective. So so then when you talk around it, you're always on safe ground. You know, I, I think that's what's part of your charm. So, so please don't lose that honesty. That's what I'd say. Certainly from my perspective, don't lose that honesty. Right. Okay, good.
1: well thank you. I appreciate that. I will try my hardest to not to lose
0: that. So it, you know, with with the book, the, the you know the, the the speaking. I noticed you're doing a um, a training tour starting time next year with very few places, so they'll go quickly. And you've got your own show on Amazon Prime, um, and you know, and so it's been a busy few years if you could look back 10 years is this where you anticipated you would be or did you have other designs
1: well no dude 10 years ago i was just finishing up with the band so i'm gonna level with you i make a lot more money pretending to be a rock star now than i ever did actually be a so, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what mate? maybe it's turned out for the best um look th- that part of my life is something i'm probably never going to get back I'm, I'm still doing music at the moment and yep. if anybody wants to know about my current musical project please feel free to drop me a line but that stage of my life is something that has sort of been put to bed now and it mm-hmm. was arguably the, the best time at some of the best times of my life touring around the world with with the guys you know playing the music that I loved to people that loved it um it, this, this wasn't this wasn't my master plan um this is it's almost just, it's, it's trying to make the best of the limited skills I've been blessed with in life. <laughs> um, so in order to do that, I've sort of had to cram together the fact that I can kind of play guitar a bit. I've got some experience of playing in a band. I, I'm a little bit funny at times, and I know some stuff about customer experience. So i basically just gaffetate all that together and created a career out of it
0: (laughs) brilliant brilliant (laughs) And uh, what what do you think then are going to be the big focal points for the next 10 years? I mean, you tapped into one that we believe in, which is the experience economy. And that actually, you know, when you're thinking about making improvements, don't just think about it from the the silo mentality of your own customers. You've got to think about the value chain, uh, society, your employees, all the other areas you impact as well. But I mean, do you believe that's going to be something that grows or are there other trends out there? You think actually these are the big things for the next 10 years?
1: No, I think, it, I think it'll grow. I think it will continue to grow until everybody has, does that. You know what I mean it's, if, if you think back in the day, not every company had a website, mm-hmm. and the, the companies that ended up having a website and ended up you know servicing customers online ended up outperforming the ones that didn't. The ones that didn't had two choices. they either died or they got on board. Yep. I think that's going to be the same with customer. Well, with good customer experience. We are going to get to the point where good customer experience is the norm. What's going to come after that? I don't really know. Um, it's, it's hard to predict, but I think we're a long way off um, good customer experience being the norm. So I think in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, maybe even the next 100 years, we're going to be getting to a, a point where customer experience is evolving the understanding of customers is going to evolve the way that we deliver experiences to our customers is going to evolve customer experience is never going to go away just because it's it's always been around customers have always had experiences mm-hmm. it's just only fairly recently in the grand scheme of things that we've given it a tag we've given it a name that's why you don't know, when people go James we really need to start doing customer experience yeah. no you've yeah. always done customer yeah. experience but the fact you've just done that probably gives away that it was crappy yeah so it's a, it's a so book everybody,
0: it's a book that inspired me yeah. it's called on purpose by sean smith which is exactly that point it's kind of you have always done it it's just you need to make it more deliberate more focused more prioritized attention yeah
1: definitely and so i think at some point we will get to the place where good customer experience is the norm mm-hmm. whereas nowadays that's not the case if we get good experience it's it's the outlier we go ooh. Yes, yeah. that's that's, oh, that's different. Yeah. I should tell someone about
0: that. Um, so constantly, constantly raising, apps, raising, everything. raising the bar. Um, now you, you said you know you're very happy to kind of you know share thoughts and everything. You must appreciate that there are more people getting into customer experience and an and influencer you know an influencer on social media regardless of whether it's CX or not is a recognized profession now And we have got you know professional vloggers and, and what what not out there um, as more individuals are catching the CX bug what advice would you give to kind of the next wave of customer experience influencers oh
1: the next wave of influences um, depends what your goals are yeah uh, the, the only advice I can probably give to to people that want to be, because I didn't set out to be an influencer. I didn't really want to to be an influencer. I just found that that was the best way to to get my message out there. And it's, I don't really think we know what an influencer, I suppose it's just somebody who influences. And to that degree, everybody's an influencer. But anyway, the people out there who would like to become CX influencers, I think be authentic, just be yourself. Um, I spent so many years in the corporate world hiding, Mm-hmm. was trying to you know behave the way that I thought you had to behave in in the corporate world it made me miserable and um I didn't enjoy myself I'm having a much better time now just being myself uh, it's good because some people don't like me that's mm-hmm. okay because it means I don't have to work with them which is a little bit counterintuitive mm-hmm. but I think if you, if you be authentic if you be yourself you're going to attract people to you you and your message that resonate with you as a person, and it's just going to be a little bit easier down the line. I'd say try and focus on sharing content with no expectations in return.
2: That's great uh, advice, yeah. I,
1: I, I try and have zero expectations with what I do, so much so that I'll share this with you now. Part of me is embarrassed about this, but the other part of me that tries to... You know, take hold of what I've just said isn't. If you go and look at my YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. there's like 400 videos on there.
2: Most of them have got like two views, Mm -hmm.
1: which is pretty poor. Like, objectively, looking at those statistics, that's kind of crappy performance. But what I've realized is the more I put out there, even if it only helps one person, that's that's good at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. The um, My stuff gets a lot more views on LinkedIn and on Instagram. That's that's great at the moment. I've even got an account on TikTok. As I got to the point that I was posting more and more unique daily content on LinkedIn, and it got to the point when I was doing that, my likes were going down and down and down. So I'd get to the point where you know, I'd post a video, and within a couple of hours, I'd have 100 likes. That'd be wicked. Mm-hmm. It gets to the point now where I'll post a video, but because I'm posting every day, people aren't liking it as much Mm -hmm. um and maybe i'll get 30 likes in a day Mm -hmm. so my like count has gone down quite a lot but i've had to realize that it's 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 basically the nps of social media it's a vanity metric yeah yeah just just because lots of people are liking your stuff it's not necessarily an indicator that you've reached a lot of people. What mm-hmm. I'm finding is more and more people are coming up to me that I've never heard of, that I've never spoken to in my entire life, that's never liked one of my things, never even connected with me on LinkedIn, who say, oh, I watch your videos all the time, I love your content, thank you so much for doing that. And I'm like, I don't even know you are. Why don't could you throw me a like every now and again? <laughs> but he's, he's realising that there is a lot of people out there that absorb content without interacting with it and I've realised I'm the exact same person so my favourite band is Metallica Mm it's my favourite band I don't even like them on Facebook I don't follow them on Instagram. If I saw a post by them, I wouldn't like it. It's just not the sort of person I am yet. When they come round on tour, I'll go and see them. So they still make money out of it, even though I don't interact with their stuff. So it's understanding, just put as much stuff out there as you can. Don't be embarrassed if it only gets two likes. Don't care if it only gets two views. One day that stuff is going to help people, or even if it's only the two people that have watched it, as long as it's helping people, that's what you're there for. And you need to kind of get over this... Thing of oh, you know what? If it doesn't get a million likes, I'm going to delete it. it. I get it, yeah. Um, I, I do get it. something I've had to struggle with. It used to be I'd save up my, my post and I'd only post one time a week, and then I'd you know flog that content for the week and try and get the most out of it as I can. But it was limiting the amount of people I could help, it was limiting the amount like my message was getting spread out. So for CX influencers that are looking to try and make a name for themselves and, and trying to help as many people as they can try and i know it's hard but just try and ignore that stuff Mm -hmm. ignore Mm -hmm. the likes
2: Mm -hmm.
1: ignore the view okay people are seeing it and um yeah
0: so i I think think that's probably my that's such helpful advice i think because otherwise it becomes slightly Um, ever decreasing doesn't it because you end up just producing content that you think will be popular and and then you get further away from talking about the stuff you want to talk about And and I know myself having looked at some of your content I've looked at some of the topics because I'm actually thinking about that at the time and I found something and you're talking about it. And it's great. But I might normally not have come up worried about looking at that because it wasn't relevant to me at the time. So I think it's so important to actually stick to the content that you believe rather than to be driven by the scores that you're going to get, which is very true with one of the big challenges we have with things like Net Promoter Score and CSAT is, You end up saying, what do we need to do to hit that target, regardless of whether it correlates with what makes this business successful or our customers happy? And and I think what you're saying there is stick to your content, keep going with it, talk about the things that really matter to you and you feel passionate about. And actually, an an audience doesn't always have to kind of send you a round of applause or send you a thank you card. They're there listening.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, man. It was kind of like so... Back with the, this week in CX stuff, the, the show that's on Amazon now, if people want to watch mm-hmm. it, and there's still episodes on YouTube. As and you
0: well, just you with, with this, you just they, go on, you go on the Amazon Prime app and just type in CX Rockstar, and I'll find that. If you type in the, I think
1: literally if you just type in customer experience, it's the the top thing that comes okay. up. Okay. Uh, so you, you can watch that. Now on YouTube, that like some of those videos have got like 11,000 views, which in the grand scheme of things is nothing. But in the customer experience world, you don't really get that many people watching mm. that much stuff. Mm. So this video is on there with some really really good views. However, it's not going to help anyone. Mm-hmm. The the only the only thing it's going to do and it's a realization I had to come to, I stopped doing a very popular thing because it wasn't actually helping anyone. Right. People would watch the episode and yeah okay, they'd learn about some customer experience stuff that had happened in the week and yes it was funny and they'd laugh about it. They might go, "Ha, yeah that was that was fun." I think I went too far down the entertainment route on that one and it was a difficult decision to make because of course I loved getting hundreds of likes I loved getting thousands of views it made me feel very good I've got an ego on me no (laughs) person is going to go around the world calling (laughs) themselves the customer experience (laughs) without having some sort of ego (laughs) I'm just I do I'm not even going to try and lie about it Um, I loved getting that admiration for it Um, but it wasn't helping people, and selfishly, it wasn't really helping me, because people weren't watching that and going, wow. They were watching it going, wow. This guy can make some jokes about customer experience. And no, yes, it helped with my profile, and it was a it was a good step. And if I if I was doing things again, I would do it again, because it did help boost my profile astronomically. Yeah. But did, what purpose was it serving, mm-hmm. other than giving people a bit of a chuckle?
0: Yeah, that's that's, Um, that's, that's really honest of you to kind of share that. But I think that's, you can see how others would make the mistake of grabbing onto that and just running with it and kind of going, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? So to be able to take a step back and look at that for what it is, that's, that, again, it just reflects how you are so attuned with what customer experience is about, because you're you're wearing that that superpower of influencer so well. And and I, and I hope there are those out there who work in corporates who can see how they can take the essence and the spirit of what, the way you talk and translate it into something they can they can use in a corporate environment. Because what you're saying is just so helpful for people. And I think, as I say, if they can mould it to to their day job then they too can become you know kind of cx influences in in their own organization
1: yeah i mean the the thing is when it comes to the the more corporate stuff like so there's kind of two two sides to the coin of what i do there's the stuff that is the content and the more entertainment stuff but then there's the more serious stuff which the training covers so Mm -hmm. you mentioned the training earlier yeah you mentioned my tour the disrupt cx uk tour (laughs) the we are taking the accredited customer experience specialist training and certification program out on tour across the UK. Nine dates in different cities around the UK. Go to acxs.co.uk to check out the dates. Thank you for letting me do that plug. But (laughs) It's that stuff that gets a little bit more serious. It gives you tools and techniques and frameworks and methodologies. It's less about me and it's more about the actual doing of customer experience the sitting down understanding your customers the mechanisms to do that and then turning that stuff into actual customer experience improvements so that side of stuff that is the stuff that sits well in the corporate world on a daily basis doing stuff the other stuff i do is more about Helping people think differently about customer experience and helping them talk to other people differently about customer experience. So it's, it's a good point to bring up, and it allowed me to do a little plug. So thank you. <laughs> That's
2: okay. That's all right. So
0: um, look, you, you've got a big decade ahead of you. Uh, be interesting to see in ten years' time, looking back. Maybe there will be. It won't be a CX rockstar, be a CX rock rock band. You know, maybe there will be a little gang of you out there maybe. doing this. Who knows? Um, but you. But, but were
1: we. To a CX rock god <laughs> that would be
0: great <laughs> that would be good because
1: realistically, I've been thinking well the, people are going to get bored of this at some point what is my next step but, but until then I'm going to rinse this for all it's worth um, <laughs> well it's, we, find it
0: it's hugely, hard, we find it hugely we find it hugely entertaining but you know it, w- it wouldn't work if the content was poor and it's not so you know as long as the content stays there's no reason to believe it won't because of how you think about customer experience then actually it just adds that interesting and distinctive um rapper around things and and there are some out there who you know do have quite okay content but awful rapping so uh i think at the moment you, you you're you're streets ahead of the others so uh please from clientship's perspective keep going as you are james Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, look, we wish you all the best in 2020. Um, I look forward to hopefully seeing you present at some point. Um, and I will be those one or two on your YouTube channel, I can assure you. I'm looking in at your content. And, uh, and and most importantly, really inspired to hear you talk about how you help, is the word you've used an awful lot throughout that, helping others to kind of get better at customer experience. So, you know, we, we salute you for that. Thank you very much indeed
1: thank you and thank you so much for doing this series of podcasts as well talking to people like me and other people around the world about how they approach customer experience and of course people listening to this are going to be getting help from me from you from other people as well so thank you for doing this
0: oh thanks james and um, pleasure's all ours honestly and i think you're going to be very busy in 2020 so i'm really pleased we managed to get to speak to you at the beginning of the year and we will be back with the fourth and final episode in our customer experience superheroes podcast series where we will be featuring customer journey mapping and talking about the real value it can bring to organisations. So until then, this is uh, me, Christopher Brooks from Clientship, signing off, and thank you very much for joining us for this podcast.